Brought to you by the Cabell County Public Library. Between Two Shelves brings you a new look on the day-to-day -day life of a library. From youth services to circulation and beyond, our episodes will lend you the world here at the Cabell County Public Library. Hello everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of Between Two Shelves, the podcast of the Cabell County Public Library. Today I'm joined by David Owens from the Reference Department. David, welcome to the show. Well, thanks Jake. Thanks for having me. Today we are going to be talking about our databases and I have a few questions for you. First question I have is what is a database and who are they for? Well, a, a database is a curated collection of items that are sometimes built around a similar theme or sometimes it's a curated collection which just allows you to access for research. In terms of who are they for? Really, they're for, for, for any of our patrons who want to do um, research into their educational, informational, and recreational needs. They are established by publishers who are well-known in the information field. And one of, the, one, of the, one of the important things I think that our databases offer is, while some of them you can access from home, you can access them all from here in the library. And given that the latest figures that I've seen indicate that 18% of West Virginians don't have access to the internet in their home, we provide a useful resource for folk who are needing to find information via our databases. What are some of our popular databases? Well, that, that's, that's, a, that's a very good question. And I, I, I think, really, we've got two or three that are, are extraordinarily popular. The two genealogy databases that we have, Ancestry and MyHeritage, they, they get a, a great deal of use. Uh, we also have a, another database called BookFlix, which is provided by Scholastic. And, and that's access to picture books that teachers can use in lieu of uh, uh, having the, the picture books in their classroom. They, could, they, they can use this database. It's, it, it's accessible remotely, and instructors, educators, homeschoolers can ha have uh, access to a, a, a vast library of nonfiction picture books and uh, fiction picture books as well to read along with, and they've, they've got notes explaining some of the themes that are involved. That's a very, very popular one. And I guess probably the the third of our sort of databases that drive the usage is we, we subscribe to a database called ValueLine, which provides information on stocks and shares, corporate history, shows people where to invest their money. And that's, that's aimed at all level of investors as well, by the way. So that's, it's not just for folks who've got um, a large amount of disposable income to invest. It's even for folks who are involved in what uh, the, what we used to call the, the penny stocks, the the low end entry into the fiscal world. So the, those are those are our three big ones: the the genealogy ones, bookflix, and uh, value line. But a, a word of caution, I, I must say about value line, which is accessible remotely, but but they only allow three users in at one time. So if at first you don't succeed, try try again with value line because there may be three other people using it. So sure, what is a database that people should use more often that maybe they just don't know about? Well, I I think there are there are two that that spring to mind with with that question. 
Learning Express, which is a collection of study guides for standardised tests. And these range from the school testing, the, the T's, the task, SAT, ACT, right the way through to the things like the ASVAB test for, for military candidates. What Learning Express provides is access to practice tests, which, no, they don't count for anything. You, you can't say, hey, this is my score on Learning Express, and will this get me into college? No, I'm afraid it won't. But what it will do is it will point out the areas in the standardised testing realm where you, you may need to improve your scores and it'll show you where your strengths are. Uh, and, and they also have downloadable books that'll help you study for these tests as well. And I think that that's an underused one given the, the, the sheer value of product that they've, that they've got there. And another underused one, and this is one of my very, very favourite databases, is a, is a, reading, a reader's advisory database. And I'll take the, the adult one, which is Novelist Plus. There's also a Novelist K through 8. And what you can do there is you can, you can enter the title of a book that you've read that you enjoyed, and it'll, it'll give you immediate links to books that are written by the same author concerning the same subject. That even, even with works of fiction, it'll give you links to books that exhibit the same sort of tone, the same level of, you know, if, it, if it's a, an exciting adventure story, then it'll link to other similar-themed exciting adventure stories. And it, it really is a, a wonderful resource for finding your, your next great read. So those are two that I, I think are underused and I, I think really do provide excellent resources for our users. That's Learning Express and uh, Novelist Plus. And like I say, Novelist has a, a version for children's literature, which is called Novelist K-8. through And they're all accessible remotely. You can access these from the comfort of your own home or from the gym from the car, if you're a passenger, uh, not driving. So th those are two that I, that, that I would definitely say sneak under the radar that are wonderful, wonderful resources. Well, I guess that does bring us to our next question here, which is what is your favorite database that you like to use? Oh, gosh. Well, I, the, the, uh, can I answer that with three or four? Because Novelist is one of my very favorites. Sure. One, of, one of my guilty pleasures is reading medieval mysteries and so the novelist has been a great resource for me to find books that I like and then I go to the Cabell County Library's catalogue their online catalogue and I check to see whether they've got a physical copy or whether they've got copies via their um, digital platforms Hoopla and Overdrive and if they're available via Hoopla and Overdrive just download them got them on my phone and off to go so that that, that really has helped me a great deal now in terms of reference and research EBSCOhost, uh, there's a, many of you will already be familiar with the... I was the, waiting for you to mention that. One. Yeah, they're, 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 they're a big player, of course, in, in the world of um, reference databases. And I love EBSCO because of the, the modifiers that it gives you. And that, that's, a, that's a fancy library term. But basically what modifiers are are ways of fine-tuning your search to be able to get great information. Those advanced search options. Yes, they're, they're, and um, they're even available on the basic search page um, on the left-hand column of the page. You can, so for example, you can make sure that if you're, if you're doing something uh, that, that, that's very academic in nature, you can check peer-reviewed, and therefore you only get results that have been peer-reviewed. Peer review is, is, of course, a very, very important process in making sure information is correct, 
accurate, falls within the conventions of whatever discipline it is that the, 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 the area of study is. Um, and the other feature in EBSCO that I love, and this, this, won't re, this won't apply to you, Jake, you weren't born in 1900 and frightened to death, but EBSCOhost also has a citation feature. And what that citation feature does is it generates the citation for the article uh, in, a, in a number of formats. So if your instructor or your teacher or your professor has said, I want your works cited page to be in MLA format or APA, you can select that and it'll throw out the citation. Now, one of the things that that doesn't do is it doesn't encourage people to understand how to build their own citations but really given that the whole citation process is just about allowing the reader to know where the information came from and that it's legitimate it serves its purpose very well I, I go to classes and sometimes talk about our databases and, and I mention EBSCO and, and I give them this example which was back when I was in grad school the first time You'd, you'd have a 15-week semester, you'd spend 12 weeks writing your paper, and then you'd spend two weeks tracking down references that would enable you to write your citations adequately. Well, now, of course, with, with EBSCO's citation feature, you don't have to do that. And I think that's a very, very good idea. Uh, yeah, that, I, was, that was one of the things I discovered on EBSCO myself, uh -huh. of that citation feature, yeah. because... You know, when I was not even in college yet in high school, they told us, you know, use, you know, we want you to figure out how to do this yourself. Uh -huh, and yeah. we would always find the websites where you could just put in the URL and it'll yeah. give you a citation. Yeah. EBSCO's well, is pretty darn accurate. I, I, it is. There, there, there's some slight modifications you may have to make, yeah. to make in terms of text size and italics. and but the, but the nuts and bolts of the citation and the way that the citation is presented accurately is all there for you. So it's just a matter of copying and pasting it onto your works cited or your reference page. I think maybe 10, 15 years ago, there was some sort of slight move in the academy that that was somehow not doing the job properly. But I'm, I'm very glad to say I think we've moved on past that. And the, like I say, it, it generates citations. Well, like you said, the point of the citation is so the reader can find yeah. what you used. And exactly. If it's a legitimate source. Yeah, that, it's not for you to yeah. have it there. I would certainly agree with that. Then, in terms of um, in terms of some some of my other favourites, uh, MyHeritage uh, and Ancestry.com, and MyHeritage is certainly available remotely. In in terms of genealogical interest, they are absolutely fantastic, and they they cover a range of um, data sets which will assist anybody in who is whether you're starting off in doing your genealogical research or whether you are an experienced expert that they really are absolutely fabulous resources and, and we as you know jake from the desk we use them a great deal when folk call in with with questions i'd also like to point out that we have some some news uh, newspapers on our database pages we we have uh, a, a publisher called Newsbank, which will enable you to access the Herald Dispatch going back to 1999. It doesn't go back any further, and it doesn't look like the newspaper. It's not a it's not a digital reproduction of the newspaper. It really is just the article. It's it, not going to provide it's text. Other. Yeah, uh, nothing by way of images. But again, it's got a citation generator, which is fantastic, um, and it allow you to search by keywords by date. Uh, so that, that it's important, it, it, it's a very useful way of accessing r copies of the Herald Dispatch from the last 
20 years or so. And that also includes the Logan banner. And Newsbank also provides access to some global newspapers uh, and news magazines from around the United States of America. It's the, the, the interface is like, like you were saying, Jake, the interface doesn't look like the digital copy. You know, in EBSCO, for example, you can download a PDF of the actual article from the journal and it looks just like that. It looks like a scanned copy of page 723 of the uh, Journal of American History or, or, or whatever the journal might be. That's not the case with Newsbank. But it is a it is an absolute wonderful resource, and it, it we've used it as you know for we've used it for genealogy. We've used it for people who've called in and said, "Hey, I can remember this thing that happened a few years ago, but I can't I can't recall the exact date. Can you confirm it?" And we can we can do, do a very quick search in Newsbank uh, and find it. So so those those are some of my favourites. Um, pretty much, I think that they're all in, incredibly important, obviously, but um, they are. The ones that I like to use the most would be Novelist Plus, uh, the genealogy ones, and EBSCO, which I think is just a, an absolutely wonderful resource. Well, then that really brings us to our last question, um, which I think is really gets into the, the nitty-gritty of it, and that's how can our listeners access these databases? Aha! Well, the, the, the way that our databases are accessed is you go to the Cabell County Library's homepage, and they are listed under online resources. And then you can separate them. You can separate them at databases A through Z, which is uh, a range of um, an alphabetical listing of the databases, or by subject. So our local history and genealogy databases are grouped together. Our research and reference databases are grouped together. Our literacy readers advisor. If you want to access them remotely, some of them will let you in with your library card. Some of them will not. Some of them will ask for a username and a password. What you have to do to, to access those is give us a call here at the library. Um, and if it, if it is one that requires a username and password, we can share that with you and we can uh, get you into that particular database so that you can access that remotely from home. But they're available on the library's webpage um, under the tab, the, the, the button online resources. So look on the left hand side of the page. Uh, of our homepage, and there you'll be able to access them. You can actually also access some of, some of the database articles. You can access by doing a catalog search as well in the uh, in the free text box for catalog searching um, on our homepage too. But I would recommend going to online resources, selecting the one that you want, and then if if it is available remote access, there will be a remote access uh, link underneath the description of what the database covers. And like I say, if you, you have trouble getting in, just give us a call and we can certainly walk you through it. Absolutely. Well, that is all the questions we have for today. David, thank you for stopping by and talking to us. And we will see you next time. All righty. Thank you, Jake.